what do you think is like the number one biggest thing missing from the conventional like Western approach to healthcare? Prevention. It, it is education and prevention um, because we make too much money in treatment. As far as technology goes, we have the most cutting edge medications, new medications every year, cutting edge surgeries. Yet out of the 38 wealthiest countries in the world, we have the worst health outcomes. For the first time in US history, life expectancy has gone down the past four years. Welcome uh, back to another episode of uh, Behind the Scrubs. Uh, today, we're going to explore uh, the depths of the human experience and uh, consciousness. I'm fired up to have my guy uh, Ryan with me. Uh, he is a community and uh, surgical nurse who has been in the nursing uh, field for 15 years, I believe, as, as you share with me. He is also uh, the founder of uh, Everyday Healers, and uh, you're clearly on a mission to heal and optimize uh, people's lives through what sounds like a uh, personalized approach that uh, really takes into account the variety of uh, modalities available. And so we're going to talk about you know things like why uh, healing seems to be elusive at times, and you know uh, perhaps that you know we're not looking in the right places, and you know what modalities can can help us. And um, as we were just talking about before we hopped on, kind of the connection between the physical, mental, and spiritual health. So um, I'm just super humbled and grateful to have you uh, here with me today, Ryan, and, and fired up because I know you've you've been a lifelong student of all things uh, health, and um, it, it definitely looks like you have like a really good understanding of Eastern, Western philosophies as well as, you know, the indigenous uh, American tradition. So uh, fired up, man. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Wow, man, I, I got tingles. I'm humbled by that uh, that intro. It's by far the best intro I've ever had in my life. Thank you, and I, I appreciate your time. I'm very excited to be here. I guess to kick it off, man, like what you know, what made you realize that um, you know healing is you know not a like a one size fits all uh, solution, and you know kind of what modalities have you found that uh, are you know most effective in in tailoring that. Uh, approach to healing for individuals. A lot of us take our own traumas, our own hardships, and kind of inadvertently turn them into our our superpowers. It's like, for instance, I was a, an only child, left alone a lot in my life, so I didn't have a lot of interaction with a lot of other kids. I had a lot of time to myself, uh, so I always wanted to make sure people felt seen and heard. And before I even knew what I was doing in like high school, people would just talk and confide in me. And I was like, oh, they just want to like listen and I don't have the fucking ant. Oh, can I cuss? I don't even know. Yeah, absolutely. Cuss away. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't have all, all the answers, um, but I'll hear someone out. And if I have something that I think could be of uh, assistance or help, then I, I would. I mean, it's why I got into nursing because I knew at a very early age I wanted to give people what I didn't have. And it's, I have a great relationship with my family, but no family's perfect. We, you know, everyone's human. We all make mistakes. So that was my, my passion. It, originally it was like PT, but then I saw I could do way more with nursing and got into nursing for that purpose. Like, let me help. Uh, but then that dived into all the other things, seeing how uh, limited we are in medicine and how not interconnected preventative care is. Part of like the human experience, we, we want people to feel connected to, we want to feel heard, we want to feel uh, un understood. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Like your interdependence and things you have to do by yourself, like no one's going to hand you anything. Um, but that also means you 
we need support. Like we're human. We're, we live in community. We have friends and we need support. So that's a, a big portion of it, that balancing act of, can I do this for myself? Can I heal and grow, educate myself, empower myself, but also who do I ask for help? Who do I have to help me? Um, and sometimes that's just listening and Sometimes it's education. Talk a little bit more about, uh, or I guess to give a little breakdown of like Everyday uh, Healers. Everyday Healers is a platform that is free for practitioners of all modalities. Uh, it's free for the practitioner to sign up um, and they can book through the platform. It's not launched yet, but launching very soon. Basically, it's a space for everyone. Um, it could be a Reiki practitioner. It could be an LMT. It could be PT. To be a dietitian or a therapist uh, and everything in between from surgeon to shaman you know the like you said earlier um, healing is not one size fits all so yeah. i might know five different ways to treat a problem with your elbow so i might consult you and say here's these five different things do any of these resonate with you and because we're human because we have placebo effect and animals do not certain things resonate with us and we heal. It's kind of like um, philosophy or religion. You can believe in a lot of different things, but it's kind of like, which flavor do you enjoy more? That's a great point. Like there's obviously several options uh, uh, available, you know, modalities, practices, et cetera. So like, how, how do you like sort through the noise to find like what does work for, for your, your, you, your like, clinicians and or patients? It's different for everyone. But, you know, for me, I find that sitting with myself like canceling the noise right and being like what what do what do i really want what's what do i think is really going on here and trusting our our quote unquote intuition that gut feeling a lot of times steers us in the right way um but that's a double-edged sword because it also intertwines with our belief system and if we are rigid in our belief of what is like, for instance, nutrition or what is a non-communicable disease um, or what can heal us, um, then we're not really growing. You know, we're it, science and philosophy is designed to propel our education, our understanding of everything. It always changes. Science changes. We learn more data and, you know, my mind's flipped on lots of things. Currently, my mind's flipped on uh, fish oil. I'm like, mm, on the fence about it. Oh, so... So like, no, like it's not as like as good heart healthy as it's as uh, as I obviously know or assume it to be based on what I've read, heard, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I don't have a definitive yes or no on it. I just know I try to take in account like a lot of macro and like medium all the way down to like micro. And there's a lot of institutional knowledge in medicine and psychology and in yoga and in shamanic teachings, it's less about the teacher and the teachings, but when you have an institution that's governing the parameters for that, you have to take note of that also, right? So fish oil, $42 billion industry, one of the largest industries on the planet. Wow. And we don't really know <laughs> the efficacy is not what we think, right? Um, I do know there's a brand on your fish oil, a, a marker of international fish oil organizations like FHSO, if that's not on your bottle, it's trash. But furthermore, I'm, I'm literally going to check my bottle after we're done here yeah, to see if that's yeah. on. I've never heard of this. Yeah. 
And, uh, and I mean, Rhonda Patrick, one of our brilliant minds, uh, PhDs, cellular biology. She interviews a lot of other uh, re leading researchers in the world, in the U.S., uh, one of her speaking points. Um, but right now I'm on Rosita brand cod liver oil to warm water fish, uh, unfiltered. So a lot less steps to jump through, hoops to jump through in the manufacturing process. So it, for me right now, feels safer. I want to go back. You've obviously, I think mean, you've touched mentioned it twice is like uh, the shaman experience. And this isn't really something that honestly I have talked about really with, uh, I don't know, any guests on the show as far as like spirituality and <laughs> I can't even talk. Got spirituality. spirituality. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, uh, but it's like in your experience with that, like what role does, uh, spirituality play in the healing process? And like, how do you navigate that aspect of healing? Most nurses will understand that we try to be empathetic with our patients and you have to, we had a little bit of cultural training, right? Like when you have an Indian patient, an African-American patient, an Asian patient, you all know there's like cultural things that are do's and don'ts that would be offensive based on their culture. And so it's kind of the same way, unless you're having that open discussion with a patient or a partner or a friend, a loved one, a family member, figuring out what their belief system encompasses the parameters of it. You don't know how to work within that. So shamanic is basically an indigenous healer. That's all it is. It's the, the same thing um, as going to a therapist or going to a doctor. Indigenous folks would use uh, a shaman for their passed down teaching, that lineage teaching. I mean, that's what yoga is. And it's a great time to be alive because a lot of science and is getting to the point where we can collect quantitative data to prove ancient teachings that are passed down. So we now know about like height, uh, heart and mind coherence. You can literally sit there and meditate with some monitors hooked up and say, oh, let me get them humming at the same frequency. So I'm not malaligned. So I'm not making decision based off of emotion, ego, or making a decision from like a bleeding heart perspective. How do you think we can better integrate, you know, whether it's a spiritual approach or it's just a holistic approach uh, to healing. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. That's the big problem is, let's face it, big business in America is healthcare. It's one of the largest. Uh, I just made a reel about this. Uh, in 1970, we spent 6% of the GDP on healthcare. We now spend 20% of the GDP on wow. healthcare. Now from 1970 to now, every single disease, every single chronic illness, non-communicable chronic illness has exponentially blown up. And that's tied in with environmental factors and food, essentially. The clinical model's broken. If, if we're, of that 20% that we spend, 97.5% is on treatment and 25 is on prevention. So would you rather never get diabetes or get diabetes and treat it and try to lower your insulin. And it's a uh, same relation with health as, as mental, like things are perception versus projection or projection versus perception. It's an infinity feedback loop, but the same thing with, with healthcare. Are we looking at a red herring 
you know, like obesity versus the insulin. That's a feedback loop. We're all trained to treat, 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 treat the obesity, but really it's not, it's not the obesity. It's the insulin we're trying to get down. If you had to like, like point to the, in your, obviously your experience, your opinion on all, like what, what do you think is like the number one biggest thing missing, uh, from the conventional like Western approach to healthcare? Prevention. It, it is education and prevention um, because it, we make too much money in treatment. And as far as technology goes, we have the most cutting edge medications, new medications every year, cutting edge surgeries. Yet out of the 38 wealthiest countries in the world, we have the worst health outcomes. For the first time in U.S. history, life expectancy has gone down the past four years. So the more money we throw at things, this chronic health situation is not getting any better. The transition needs to be from outside of the clinic or change clinic practice, but that's not really happened because it's an institution that's lobbied for practice, lobbied for um, lab panel parameters. Glucose, that measurement has gone up over the past couple of decades. If you go back and look at glucose from 1970s and 80s, it wasn't that high. We are being lobbied, we're not, but the owners of these companies are lobbying to change the parameters of that glucose index scale to fit a sick society and culture. So I think it's people like, like me, like other practitioners that are trying to have an integrative approach. I'm from Houston, it's like medical mecca in the whole US, right? I worked at MD Anderson, leading cancer hospital. It's like that and John Hopkins. Like those are the two places you go in the U S for leading cancer research. Um, but there's also these integrative teams. I had a friend that had uh, mold toxicity and spent about $15,000 over three years trying to figure out what was going on with her. Cortisol was off her cycles were off sleep was stuff. She had all these food intolerances and it wasn't until she got into an integrative team that consisted of a whole slew of dietitians. ER doctors, ICU doctors, they had a two-year wait list to get on to figure out what was going on. And they had to start and formulate their own business, entrepreneurship, and create a whole new clinical guideline and way of practice to help people because just going to your primary care. You know, the the other guys that we've been sold is like this medical jargon. As nurses, we understand a lot of this medical terminology, uh, but it's confusing to everyone else. And when a doctor starts throwing that around or a primary care, you know, MP or PA starts telling you should do this or that, we blindly trust instead of asking the questions and educating ourselves more. How do you think we can, you know, reconcile um, the conventional kind of uh, medical model that we're, we're talking about with the, the less tangible aspects of healing, like energy work and spiritual practices? Energy work is well studied. You can do a Google Scholar search. For those who don't know what Google Scholar is, you can type in Scholar in Google and it pulls up Google Scholar as a separate search engine that only searches published research. I, I did not know that. I'm going to pull it up right now. Yeah. We're like type in Reiki. We go to Google Scholar and type in, type in Reiki and you'll get, you know, thousands and thousands of hits on Reiki. And it's also a really good way for, you know, the, uh, the fitness and health and wellness industry to kind of disseminate um, actual studies. Though you also have to take into account these studies are funded and, Certain things are, are, are pushed and uh, it, it really takes the type of mind that has a goes into history just as much as science because it's changed and, you know, big business has big agenda. That actually makes me think of like, so what you're hitting on like right there is like th th there's so much misinformation, right? 
uh, in the wellness industry, right? And, yes. and you're talking about like, you know, educate and, um, and so how do you, or, you know, what, what do you suggest like as far as, you know, how to educate and, and empower people to make informed decisions about their health? I mean, hire me. I'm a, I'm a consultant. <laughs> There we go. Uh, well, we're pl we're plugging it right now. Uh, so, yeah. uh, hire Ryan, and we'll we'll link we'll we'll link him out. Don't worry in this episode. And uh, yeah, yeah, and actually, yeah, so might as well just go for it right now. Where can people find you online, my guy? ATX.holistic.rn at Gmail. Uh, same thing. It's my IG ATX underscore holistic underscore RN, and it's consulting because people. You don't need coaching. I don't want long-term anything. It's about educating and pointing people in the right direction, empowering them. And really it's what you're not changing, you're choosing. And if you're just sitting there taking someone's, some influencer on TikTok, like it's me, I'm just another person, right? Like, but let me break it down for you and explain it in a way you understand and not just saying something that sounds so high level that you're just like, oh, he sounds smart. So must know what he's talking about. Like, I'm an idiot. I'm, that's why I love working in surgery because it's rare that I'm the smartest person in the room on a subject, but I get to share knowledge and talk with my anesthesiologist, talk with my scrub tech, talk with my vendors, talk with, you know, some days the conversation gets really good. So how do you, uh, see like, you know, look, looking through the, uh, the, the lens of, uh, of the future, uh, how do you see the field of healthcare evolving? I don't ever see myself giving up my nursing degree but I am trying to find a, a better way to help people. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot of other people that are trying to find a better way to heal, help and educate folks. Um, it's just, it's tricky because it's all entrepreneurship right now. And I wish I could say in 10 years, I mean, some of my surgeons think the healthcare is going to fall out, you know, and, it, it's we are when you look at the finance of healthcare, we're bankrupting ourselves with treatment. And it's it's a it's more like capitalism and consumerism that like I've had a sales job before and it's like the number always goes up like, oh, just sell more next year, just sell more next year. But we can't afford to keep uh, chronically ill patients, people, our family members alive longer, more more medical costs, more medical costs, and there's nothing to pay for it. So I see the bottom falling out at some point and I'm not sure what will happen. I'm, I don't have that wherewithal. I, I just know that the health and wellness industry is booming. And for those that can get the word out, um, you know, hopefully they're getting the word out in the right way and have morals to, to have business in a better way. But yeah, I see the health falling out, uh, the, the floor falling out, and then people really turning to uh, even more into alternative medicine. Um, and it's it those numbers are are going through the roof. This is one of the largest growing sectors in the U.S. right now. It sounds like obviously there is a uh, already a large community uh, out there in that space. It's a growing community, and so can you talk about the importance of community in the healing process and and, and like how like how do you create and cultivate those networks, right? Um, or if I like, hey I want to get plugged into that community, you know how can I uh, go about doing that? I started it from scratch for me personally in my own curiosity and uh, healing and optimizing journey, just figuring out 
what resonates with me is like, oh, does that sound cool? Like, yeah, I mean, let me see what that's about. And working with these different practitioners here in Austin and then meeting people in my travels, um, it was organic. It was just like being kind of a natural networker and saying, oh, yeah, you want to do uh, – you, you need someone who does craniofacial massage. It's a very specific um, type of massage that's for lymph and nervous system that's – takes a lot of training to do and it's hard to find a good craniosacral uh, masseuse um, or LMT and I just follow intuition with that and network with people that have had these different practitioners and I'm like oh yeah that practitioner and then that I'll remember that I'll tuck that away and like my my notes like oh and then something came up like yeah I need to see this person because I'm having issues I've thrown out my upper back before and um that's how I started it. And that's the community is really, really tough to, to build in connecting the different modalities. And that's where there's not, honestly, there's not, that's why I started this business. There's not a way to connect all of them. Like there's not a community center you can go to that says, Hey, does anyone know a good, uh, rolfing person? Does anyone know, you know, um, a, a good holistic doc or, does anyone know like a good masseuse or a good Reiki practitioner? Like it's really hard. It's not accessible. So I think that's part of it is creating that ac access and not, you know, shunning people. Everyone wants your money. So any practitioner is hungry for money. They got to pay bills, but getting that model to be, to look different and saying, Hey, here, go to this person, get consulted and let's figure out what's going on with you holistically. But there's not that many people out there that have that scope of how all these things are interconnected. And I mean, these people do want to help, but it's also like retraining these practitioners that want your money, that they're not the end all be all cure. Like it's part of the healing journey. So it, it's, that's really difficult. I mean, I'm trying to figure it out, honestly. And I, I, I hope to have a community center at some point where that's, that's its purpose is a, a place for some healing and different modalities can be there, but you can never have everything, but let me network organically in, in my hometown and say, yeah, these people do good work over there and, and we need it because like, I'm not a specialist in anything. I'm just very interested in a lot of things enough to know that I need help from a different practitioner. You know, like, hey, if I'm struggling with this aspect of my health, let me go over here and, you know, fuck with this person over here. Like, I just had my buddy teach me how to kick again. He used to own an MMA gym. And I was like, hey, I want to add, like, some, some Muay Thai kicking into my, my uh, one of my routines in my days. And case in point, like, I needed a specialist, someone who trained in that. Yep. And that's that's community. I had someone to reach out to. I was like. You know, come come fuck with me and like it sucked. Yeah. Sore in weird spots. <laughs> dude, I, I haven't it was like a few years back, dude. I did a little a little Muay Thai training myself, but it's been a few years, but I absolutely loved it. And literally talk about a hell of a workout too, for the record. Yeah. It's you know, that's uh that's a perfect example of stress and pain. Um the appropriate level of stress and pain is a catalyst for healing or growth or change. Like that workout, like that Muay Thai stuff was sucked. It was hard, but yeah. eventually you got used to it. And then you're like, oh, here we go. I'm, I'm good with this. It's, uh, 
changing people's perspective on diet or nutrition is almost like fucking politics. They're almost like, no, I'm going to die on this soapbox. Like this is good and this is bad. And it's so hard to talk to someone and in any, in any topic, emotional, science, politics, to understand someone else's perspective in a cool, calm manner. Straw manning. Like to be able to sit there and say, repeat back, okay, so you're saying this is what you believe in and this is the course of action, blah, blah, blah. You're, to repeat it back to someone and not go back and forth in any argument yep. is a active practice in patience and understanding love and yep. philosophy. Well, yeah, you're talking for me. What you're talking about is emotional intelligence and empathy at the end of the day, right? And and being able to what listen to someone, no matter what they believe in, and whether it's aligned with what you believe in, it is really just being able to actively listen to them and make them feel heard. You don't. You can. We all. We can. We can listen, and that's being a good human. Listening to somebody it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything, but you can still listen and let someone feel heard and not get triggered right um but that's that that's i mean it takes it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to be able to do that especially if it's something controversial or, or to your like you know, politics whatever you know it's like but it's yeah. also science yeah. it's also science it's like oh this guy over here says this but something tells me that that's not right so i'm gonna understand what he's doing and see if i can get a different result by testing it over this way understanding that both directions are possible but then collecting data and being like oh this seems more possible and it's yeah. it's applying those same principles to yes emotional intelligence but also science philosophy it's all that um growth mindset and i yep. like i'm not perfect i still get triggered like i'm not i'm not you know everyone it's it's a lifelong thing it's not a sure. uh I, I say that all the time um fitness emotional um intelligence your relationship with the divine, whatever spirituality practice you have, it's, it's lifelong. Like you never get to a point and say, I have arrived. I don't ever need to work out again, or I don't ever yeah. need to learn anything again, or I don't ever need to, you know, pray or meditate. It's like, no, man, it, it just ebbs and flows. And at certain points in life, it's harder in a certain area or needs more attention in a certain area. But the key point is to stay consistent and cancel out some of the, the noise we have from, uh, from culture and, consumerism and in our our own bullshit yeah you're, you're speaking my language my man with you know grow, growth mindset and it's really like i believe it's like you're either getting better or you're getting worse there is nothing there is no 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 in between and and it's just a constant and never ending um journey of improvement like i believe that i try to practice that it's like try to get whatever it is one percent better every day and have an open mind it's because the, yeah. the, the the flip side of that is a fixed mindset and it was like no that doesn't really resonate with me um but unfortunately a lot of people you know operate their day-to-day -day worlds with a fixed mindset and um yeah the growth growth mindset is a non-negotiable around here yeah it's uh it's difficult right because it's like identity and it's attached mm. to our identity. Who, who am I? I'm an athlete. I'm a nurse. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, like we're all so tied to these things. And a lot of people, you know, hey, who are you? Nice to meet you. What do you do? You know, it's like, more like, what do you believe in? What makes you happy? What's heavy for you right now? What's good for you right now? Like, 
those are the important questions because we're all so much more than how we figure out to, as we say, live in the matrix and pay the bills, right? You've been dropping some absolute knowledge bombs. Um, and so, you know, it sounds like, um, you know, there's an opportunity to bring, you know, more attention and resources to what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. And right now the resources for me are, are books. Um, and you know, when I look on my site, my IG or, or it's mainly IG and Reddit, like I really don't look at my friend's content. I look at the people that I admire that have something that resonates yeah. with me because they're, they're a mirror, right? Like I, they're the parts of me that I want to grow that they are exuding. It's like, boom, I like that. That looks good. Like, oh shit. Yeah. I like the way that looks in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, um, reminding myself that I'm a creator and not a consumer. I'm a consumer of knowledge. So for me yeah. on like social media, like following things that aren't just memes and interests, like, yeah, we need to laugh and play. Like it's a big thing. Like I'm calling in more play for myself this year. And for me, that's like dance, like dance is my most creative expression. Um, so the times that I get to do EDM, that, EDM, I remember you love, you love, you love EDM. I love it. I grew up breakdancing in Houston and, you know, it's kind of, kind of like a shy kid. And even in my adult life, I didn't like, I don't breakdance anymore, but I still get down. And it's like having that freedom to get out of my head and out of my own way to uh, move and release and, and really like get down how I want to get down feels so good. It's not always working out. It's not always going to do it for me. It's not always the feel good thing. Sounds like what you're talking like that, like we haven't talked about it, but it ties in a lot of what we were talking about earlier is like, is like flow state, right? I would imagine when you're break dancing or EDM, you, you are in flow state. Absolutely. And I mean, same thing right here. It's like, this is your, your muscle that you're flexing, right? Your podcast, like you're flexing this muscle and it's so articulate and well, and it just keeps getting better. Um, I literally, it's, it's so funny you say that about that because like, I literally tell like uh, my team, my media team too, is like when I go on pod, when I do podcasts, like I black out. Like, man, it's not like I really black out, but it's 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 flow state. I know like I'm in flow because I don't know what else is going on around me. I'm like, it's 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 tunnel vision of the moment that we're in right now. Absolutely, and uh, that I mean, same, you know, uh, and sometimes in uh, meditation or talking. Um, like at the beginning, I said, I got tingles with that beautiful introduction that I'm still like glowing from. It's like when something is aligned with my purpose, I get these tingles. Sometimes they're just down my legs and arms. Sometimes they're down my whole body, heads, neck, shoulders, back, arms and legs. And it's like my physical tell some people like have a ring in their ear or they just develop a sign to kind of listen to their body and, and trust, um, that when you're doing something, it's in alignment of what you want, your purpose. You know, as we talk about this mind-body connection, it makes me want to bring up uh, one of two points. And when you were asking about shamans and stuff earlier, first of all, everyone should watch or read the book, How to Change Your Mind. That's a super impactful book that goes over the history of LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, and uh, mescaline that's in like cactus, right? Um doesn't touch on things like ayahuasca, they're super trendy right now, or bufo, but you get a breadth of knowledge and the decades of research, but you also realize that these things are not magic bullets, and they are not for everyone. Um, 
the scary part about it becoming into clinical practice is it's a money grab and everyone wants your money, but just like what we spend on healthcare, most of it's in treatment and not preventative. So if, if these medicines or avenues speak to someone, I highly suggest doing a lot of work beforehand, getting in the space of that gratitude work, journaling, reading a self-help book, or talking to a practitioner, talking to someone. There are amazing tools that help with neuroplasticity, the ability to learn a new habit, whether that's a thinking habit or a physical habit and attribute and allow you to really process. Um, and, you know, LSD, psilocybin, the DMT these, is part of that whole yeah, group. They, they, they're not effect. They're not addictive, right? They, they work on your serotonin receptors, so you can't take them consecutively. And all these studies there will show you that you can get the same effect from extended small amounts, microdosing, and I'm talking small, really small. Um, and there's a couple different, James Fadiman's the guy who invented microdosing, and then Stamets has his own, you know, uh, cord with it, his own uh, parameters. And then, or you can get a macro dose and have the same effects benefits that last a year out and longer, three and five years. Um, a lot of indigenous folks do a, an annual thing with the family, but that's a whole nother take. Like, can you imagine a family, your community, your tribe that you feel safe to express and explore? And they say, we're going to do this together when you get to a certain age. That's a whole different mindset than we live in where people are, trying to find a cure, trying to find a treatment. And, uh, they're, they're really powerful. It's not for everyone. Make sure you're doing work well before. Um, it's a less is more kind of thing for me. I meet people that are like not integrating and keep healing, keep growing. I'm like, you just change your identity. You're just the cool kid that used to be emo or a skater or a rapper or a rocker. And now you're the spiritual guy who's always going to this you know, retreat or thing. And it's like, man, integrate. Like your body is telling you and your mind's telling you the hard things that you're avoiding. That's exactly where you go and do the work, radical ownership. And I've had to own a lot of my own demons with uh, stuff like that. And grateful, really, really grateful because yeah. that freed up so much bandwidth for me to, to call in, to be an entrepreneur, to finally take steps, to do things I want to do, to, to be there for myself. And that gave me a greater capacity to be there for others as a nurse, as a friend, as a lover, as a family member. Yeah. Uh, extreme ownership, man. I, I am a practitioner of, of that. Um, and it is wildly freeing. I should say it, 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 when you take extreme ownership over everything, your situation, um, and ultimately your all your outcomes the good the bad and the ugly and you and you move forward with that mindset it opens up an abundance of opportunity to become the best version of yourself mentally physically etc uh career entrepreneur business whatever whatever it is um and that was a catalyst for for my for my own journey and so i love hearing you talk about that it's it's scary right it's like it's 
it's harder than going to a workout for the first time and like, oh, I've never done this thing, this movement, and I'm so sore, this hurts, like it's painful. The mental stuff is is harder in a lot of ways because it's like it hurts. Like that we're talking about agony, despair, depression, anxiety, like these things that we internalize so much and don't have healthy outlets for or coping mechanisms for. And to sit there and, and suffer like that and be so afraid to face the thing. And there's a, a million ways to face the thing. Like a lot of these teachings work in a lot of different ways, right? This goes for mental health too. Like you can confide in someone, but that's hard because then that person might be projecting or trying to fix instead of just holding space and being there for, for someone. And that's, that's another big passion for like, for my own work, for consulting or for everyday healers is like, not everyone's going to be a good energetic fit for you. Finding someone that feels right and is easy to talk to is part of the process. And that that's, that's really hard to find. Um, even in your friendships and your romantic relationships, your professional things like workplace culture is one of the hardest things to change dynamics in a relationship, be it friends or lover or family, one of the hardest things to change. Um, but it doesn't mean don't try because it'll manifest and come up and one of your trigger responses, fight like mine, flight, freeze, fawn will come up and that just impacts your health in a massive way. That's that stress we were talking about at the beginning. I just want to acknowledge you, man, because just you know, obviously getting the opportunity, you know, it's the first time we've ever talked. I mean, we've obviously been communicating, but it's the first, literally the first time we've ever t had a conversation and it's obviously on, on the podcast and being recorded, which is amazing. But you just, uh, you know, I want to acknowledge you, man. You just seem to be an absolutely positive, like uh, force out there uh, in, in your community, your space, your world that your you know, your network of, of humans. And, um, you clearly are contributing to, uh, some, some very, um, fascinating and, uh, cool and like helpful, uh, from a health perspective. Uh, and so I appreciate that man. And, you know, I'm, I'm fired up to, to, to now be able to know you say, I know you I got, um, I got Ryan, uh, but, and also support you through your journey. And, and, uh, just, I think this, obviously this will, when this goes out too, it'll just bring a, a voice to, to all this and everything that you're in, you're embodying and you're practicing and you're trying to help educate. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about that and, and just super grateful for you and everything you're doing. Well, I uh, want to go back. You brought it up. We really haven't talked much about travel nursing, which I love because that's really the point is to, to, to give you a platform to, to share your story and everything you're doing. And you absolutely crushed it, man. And I, I, I really appreciate that. But I do want to touch on two things real quick, travel nursing. First thing that comes to mind, man, is like your, 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 your number one tip that you would give uh, for uh, travel nursing advice. It's a two-sided coin. Don't take it personal and find the humor in it. <laughs> <laughs> Love. Tell, tell like, me more about that. Think about interacting with people in general, much less in the hospital setting. You have no idea what people are going through. What that surgeon, that resident, that nurse's aide, that x-ray tech, the lab person, we're all human. And we're all going through a lot of different things at the same time. You don't know if someone's family member just died or if they're going through a divorce or they just found out a partner cheated on them they just found out they're pregnant they just found out they lost a pregnancy like people go through a lot you know i've gone through a lot you've gone through a lot and so I, when i say don't take it personal when someone is 
has basically some attitude and it's okay. Just keep your composure and go to that observer state and realize that that person is projecting. They're projecting some emotional thing that's, that's hard. And how do you absorb that and deal with it? You don't take it personal and you realize that they're human just like you and you've had hard days and bad days and they're probably just frustrated with something and it's not the situation at hand. That's what triggered it. Like when I get triggered, it's not the situation at hand. It's reminding me of the earliest memory I have of that incident or that thing, that situation that caused me to have that reaction. The other thing I would like to say to all my travelers, take care of your health. Buy yourself a Berkey, travel with it. Water is trash in the US. Most of the bottled water is trash. Berkey's portable, easy. And yes, yeah, it's, it's you know, 400 bucks for the personal size, but you will be so much healthier for it. And the other thing is stop eating packaged food. Just stop. Like eat, eat whole foods, travel with an air fryer or a grill, you know, whole foods. There's nothing wrong with cooking with butter, olive oil, coconut oil, like eat whole foods. It's a lot cheaper. Everyone's trying to figure out how to work less, right? Save that money. You know how much it costs for me to like buy a carton of eggs and some potatoes and chicken and some broccoli? It's a lot less like... Everyone needs an education in finance too, and food's one of the big things. So why not kill two birds with one stone and just be healthier? Powerful advice. Um, it, last question is, and this is the question I, I ask um, uh, all of my uh, travel nurse guests. What is your definition of a successful 13-week assignment? Hopefully you explored some. You didn't let work consume you. We travel because it's a luxury, not only as a way to get money and make money, but exploring, finding, you know, the good hikes around, the good places to swim, the good places to go ski. Successful assignment is right now not getting canceled. So saving that money, saving that money. Like, sure, if you want to eat out and, you know, go for drinks or go do whatever, like a lot that, but saving money is one of the biggest things of success. You know, um, that's what we're all here for. And, is, is to make money and figure out how to be protected for when the contracts dry up. I love everything about that. And, uh, man, it's, uh, it, it's been, it's been a blast too. Um, I can't uh, express enough gratitude, uh, for you and for, uh, coming on, making it happen, sharing, sharing your, you know, parts of your story, parts of your journey, your expertise, and you know, what you're passionate about and, and all the, the positive impact that you're working hard at, uh, you know, to have. And so thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you, my man. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate it. And this for the listeners here, like what, what a great opportunity to come on this show and, uh, how, how cool it is to sit here across from someone who gets to interact with all these other nurses and these entrepreneurs trying to embed their world and everyone else's around them. Mm -hmm.